and welcome to Kitty Talks, the podcast that shows you how to build a life in alignment with your soul. I'm your host, Kitty Waters, serial entrepreneur and co-creator of the Network for Transformational Leaders. Each week, I interview top thought leaders that are changing the world. They share their life stories on tips on how you can find your purpose. We all have a gift we can bring to the world. Do you feel dead to life? Like there's more to it, but you don't know where to start. Perhaps you don't fit in and you can't understand why. Are you pushing all the time and getting nowhere? Do you long to finally be sure which is the right path for you? This podcast is sponsored by my Do Your Dharma course. This eight-week online course, self-study, shows you how to find your purpose. The course demystifies the subject of Dharma and shows you that by following your highest excitement, you can unlock your greatest potential and create the life of your dreams. Go to www.kittytalks.com forward slash do your Dharma. Without further ado, let's dive into the next episode. Kitty Talks. In this week's episode, we go deep into the subject of your body and whether you are utilizing your body's full potential. This week, I speak to Hen Lizra. She is a TEDx speaker, award-winning social entrepreneur, somatic intelligence life coach, best-selling author and professional dancer. She helps people come back to their true nature. She specializes in transforming people's lives by changing behavioral patterns for the better through body work and experience. She offers somatic intelligence workshops, one-to-one coaching sessions, training programs and keynote speeches. And you will come to hear Hen's amazing personal story in this podcast. She shares how she grew up in an environment of a mentally unstable mother and how this wreaked havoc on her life until she was about 16, 17. And she had to go really deep and ask herself a question whether she wants to live or die. And she made the commitment to live. And in this podcast, you will hear what she did to climb out of that hole and how by listening to her inner voice, she has created the most amazing life. She's another example of an amazing woman for me who is listening to their intuition and consequently going against society norms. Uh, I know you're going to love this podcast. So please connect with me on kitty underscore talks at Instagram. And you can also PM me on there any guests you want me to talk to. But without further ado, let's dive in. i you to create yours. And today I have with me a very beautiful soul, a lady called Hen Lizra. She is a TED speaker, award-winning social entrepreneur, somatic intelligence life coach. And she's going to tell us all about that because I have to admit, I don't know a lot about it. Best-selling author and professional dancer. And Hen got connected to me twice. So I knew I needed to interview her. We have mutual friends and everyone said, she's amazing. You've got to talk to her. You have to have her on your show. So Hen, welcome to Kitty Talks. Thank you so much. And I'm so glad that I met you through them. 
Yes, and I just have um, this inkling that we're going to be wonderful, amazing, beautiful friends and we're going to do lots of fantastic things together. So, yeah, we already have a try. I'm buying my ticket to London right away. (laughs) (laughs) And where are you speaking to us from? Whereabouts are you now? From Israel right now. Ah, okay. Okay, fantastic. Well, would you mind um, sharing with the Kitty Talks audience a little bit about, about a little bit more about who you are and what you're doing in the world at the moment? Yeah, so basically let me explain about the, the somatic intelligence, which is what people really want to know about. So we're going to start with the word somatic because some people get stuck there. Somatic comes from the word soma. Soma means body. So somatic means through the body, through experiencing. Somatic intelligence is basically emotional intelligence taught through the body, through experiencing. So basically, I found, because I've been working in Cuba for the last, like from 2005, I've been working um, constantly in Cuba through dance and through bringing groups to Cuba and so on and so forth. I found something in Cuba that doesn't exist anywhere else in the world because something got preserved there in the body language and how they move and how they live because life got frozen. They don't run fast. There's no internet on the phones. There aren't, there isn't any advertising in the country. There are all these things like that, that for us made us run faster with life. Mm. They have a different lifestyle and with it, they had to evolve in a way that we didn't in the Western world because we went towards the material and they went inward because they didn't have the material. So where do you look for happiness? Where do you look for? richness inside rather than outside so they evolved in, in a different way than in the western world wow and i have been to cuba so i have actually experienced it and my husband um and i went to dance clubs and it's incredible the energy that i've I witnessed i'd never known or never felt anything like it kind of where i was from so there's when there's this energy and you feel the energy and you feel the joy of la- joy of life you also feel love on the street and you go, what is it here? What is it that they have? And why is it that I come every time and it's not a vacation anymore because I can be there two, three, four months. And it's like, and it's still that energy of magic. And you go, what is that? Mm-hmm. So I've been studying this for like the last 13 years, trying to crack the DNA of this and to figure out what they have that we don't have. And I found five somatic elements. One, um, elegance, two, intention, three, tempo, four, sabrosura, and five is mystery. So each one of these elements is linked to a benefit. So to give you an example, elegance is about the possession of ourselves, the quietness of being ourselves, right? And that kind of elegance, I'm not talking about what we're wearing, I'm talking about how we're being. Yes. Uh, we, we saw in Obama over the years. That gives us emotional sturdiness, but it also quiets down the noise inside, the inner rumbling. Then you've got intention. So one of the things that happened to a lot of people today is that as we get stressed out, as we run fast, as, as uh, we are overloaded, or if something happens that affects us emotionally, what do we do? We crawl in, right? Emotionally, we close in. But... That also gets us to, if I do it to the side, tend to lean backwards out of the situation. We don't even notice when we're doing that, when we have a situation, but we back out. When we back out, we lose power. When I'm into the situation, I have a lot more power. I'm actually getting my 
inner self to already be driven forward towards purpose and meaning, which is what this somatic element is all about. Then we've got the tempo. And a tempo, a good example is, is a message that uh, um, someone wrote me uh, yesterday and she said, you know, when I run so fast, it's like by the end of the day, I have no more energy to enjoy. Well, enjoyment is not supposed to be at the end of the day. It's a constant thing that generates vitality for us. And actually, body movements that we have used to release dopamine and endorphin in the body. So we used to walk and our upper body used to move. And when I move it now and I'm soft like that, I'm releasing endorphin and dopamine in the body. What do we do now? We either become like a block, like mm-hmm. a wooden thing that's stiff, or we move. We are running fast, right? We're going fast. We don't have time for it. Or if we move, we move very sharp. Everything's sharp, right? We don't, what? Hey, this, that. But it's like, but that softness, right? If I'm mm-hmm. here, I'm creating right now enjoyment. I can actually feel the butterflies coming in. Because <laughs> I'm so used to it. So enjoyment is really about enjoying the journey and not just the end goal. And it's about reconnecting to the body so that we learn how to release endorphins and, and dopamine through simple body movements throughout the day. Mm. We don't need it to be something great. It could be while I'm walking to the next thing. And it doesn't mean that it has to be slow. It could also be in a fast pace if I'm connected and I'm enjoying myself. It's about putting an intention, a mind intention into where I'm at. And it could be a small thing here and it could be small thing there. But as I'm collecting them throughout the day, I don't burn out. I don't feel like I lost that flavor of life, that taste of life, right? Mm. The sabrosura is the sensuality that's inside us, that men and women alike. It just looks different for men and women. And it, when it gets released to the body, we feel physical self-love. And it's it actually releases also dopamine and endorphin. Now, when you see my hand go like this, Mm. It looks really simple, mm. but if you'll try to do it, you'll find that it's hard to get to that softness. Why? Because it's a wave that goes out. Like think about it like you're pulling almost like a little octopus, right? Now you see how yours is a lot stiffer than mine. Mm. It's because what I'm doing right now is I'm opening up my heart right here and I'm allowing myself to feel my vulnerability at a whole other level which is something that we work on to learn how to do. And then I can be really, really, really soft. It's not really the hand. It's what I allow my heart to feel, right? Whether I allow myself to feel everything, including what is not comfortable. So sabrosura is the element of love. And it's not just about self-love. It's also community love and being with other people and containing. And, you know, how many people don't have the patience anymore to contain others because we're running so fast and we don't have any more space for information and for other people's emotions so we don't have enough sabrosura. Mm. The final one is the mystery. And a mystery is the element of playfulness. So it's the one that has two forms. One form always gets us into a gray area because we're so afraid these days of sexual harassment and for a good reason because there's the need to movement and things that happen that were not appropriate. Um, and it's a sexual energy between men and women. It's about seduction. It's about desire. And it's about that no, that means a maybe. And no, that means maybe is flirty. When we say a no, that means maybe we're going like, come after me anyway. Right. Mm. So that kind of energy we as a society and world today, we have a hard time with because we don't know where to put the barriers. Where the boundaries and but yeah, there's balances. A whole, yeah. There's a whole other place 
for mystery to happen that's non-sexual, that's about work, and that's about charm, right? It's like we can motivate people through charm. And the charm, I call it social charm because it connects us to other people. Charm looks different from person to person. And we see it at a very young age in kids, right? They have that one thing in their personality and they do it and everybody wants to give them what they want. That's their charm. Mm. And then we turn it off for them at one point, which we shouldn't. We should just teach them how to upgrade it to uh, a different version of adulthood. But it's part of what makes a lot of people successful when they know what it is. You see J-Lo using that. You see Oprah using that. You see Obama using that. It's part of their their special sauce. Mm. So your mission then, by the sounds of things, is to bring somatics to almost to the Western world. Is Am I correct in what I'm hearing? Because this is not something that I would say is available widely or have, I've heard of in the kind of Western world. I would, there are two missions here. It's one mission, but I'll break it down to two things. One is I really want to see this as the lifestyle that we pick, that we want to live like this. Because once you get into the feeling of what it's like to live through these somatic elements, it feels so good. You go like, then how was I living before and why? Mm. Why should I continue? It's not about me telling people that they should. It's that they feel and they go like, wow, there's so much more for me with quality of life, with happiness, with satisfaction, mm. with so many different things. The other thing is that power somatic intelligence really gets people to their true nature, the true essence. True essence is the way we're born. Mm. But as the years go by, all these layers and things pile up. Now, some people do the work, really get past that, and some people collect these things. And then they're not optimized anymore, and something's not fully flowing. We sometimes even say that, I feel stuck. I feel like I'm not where I should be. I feel like something's not aligned. I think I feel like something's off, wrong, whatever the word is, right? And and when we can look at those elements and we can identify which ones are the strong ones and which ones are the weak ones, and we start to bring up the weak ones to strengthen them, to get them to flow better, then suddenly something starts to flow that didn't flow naturally and we feel we're more authentically us and we get to, to get more accurate in what we want and who we are and how we live and the connections that we do. And so that's really what the work is about. So it's almost a way of becoming completely aligned from head to toe, like completely utilizing your body, mind, spirit effectively most people yeah. aren't necessarily connected. Yeah, and connecting yeah and connecting the inner and the outer right because sometimes there's a disconnect or not complete alignment between inner and outer sometimes when i do a workshop for example i work with pride and i show people how to bring out pride and some people have conversations about pride because in their upbringing they heard pride connected to cockiness so they put off pride but pride is an emotional anchor and when we go through things that are, let's call them turbulent, mm. that are uncomfortable, mm. we can hold on to things that we've achieved, done, or feel good about who we are, and no one can take that away from us because we've already done them. We've already become them, mm. right? And what we do is we sometimes shatter pride because we go like, well, but I'm not there now. Yes, but you already did that. And when we can hold that in the body, it gives us like an emotional anchor in that moment so we feel very grounded inside of very groundlessness situation. So pride, for example, is a very good example of something that we can bring out that starts to optimize us and connects us. When I'm doing that in a workshop, for example, I sometimes tell them to find something that they're proud of. And then I tell, I say, who wants to work with me? And someone volunteers. 
and I'll say, okay, what are you proud of? And someone will say, well, I'm proud about the fact that I've achieved uh, this beautiful workshop with these people and I brought them in and, and it really worked well. And you go like, I look around and go like, do you feel her proud of that? And you go like, no. And I repeat, I mirror her way or him the way they said it. Right. And I say, and, and they search laugh because when they hear it back. It doesn't sound very powerful. And then we do it a couple of times till the person suddenly goes like, I'm really proud of the workshop that I just created mm-hmm. and the way people were impacted by it. And suddenly you go like, boom, the inner and the outer are the same. There isn't a gap anymore. Wow. So I presume then from what you're saying, the benefits of people coming and working with you or coming to your workshops, they're, when they walk away, they just literally, I would say, feel more powerful in themselves, more aligned with who they are and how they're showing up in the world. You got it. You got it. <laughs> well, I'm excited to try it. And I know I can feel already we're going to, I'm going to end up doing some stuff with you because it sounds amazing. But I would love for you to, um, Take us back because one of the things we do on Kitty Talks is we are empowering our listeners to find their purpose, to step into their greatness. And so I would love to understand your journey because I would imagine that you didn't kind of know from a young age that you wanted to be a somatics teacher. Talk me through how you tuned in. How did you find what your gift is and how did you bring it to the world? Well, for me, it really started with uh, being completely broken, like completely broken. And when I say broken, I mean chaotic broken. My mom got mentally sick when I was 11 years old and not being able to have that figure that, you know, has you emotionally or to run to her for that hug when you need or just a motherly figure, you know, that was, that was extremely tough. And only that she wasn't emotionally available to me. But she turned into my biggest problem in that sense. She was such an incredible person um, with such a good heart. And she taught me such incredible lessons before she got sick that this distortion that got created from her being manic depressive really shattered me. And I'm, I'm talking about from, you know, manic attacks where she would lose control and I would be afraid mm. to uh, all my boundaries breaking because she would do things that were unhealthy for me. And I would say, I can't take it. And I would be told, well, that's your mother. You can't quit your mother. Mm. And I wasn't living with her. I was living with my dad. But it's like, you can't quit your parents. You can't stop seeing your parents. And not that I didn't want to ever see her, but I didn't know where, as a child, how to put the boundaries so that what she was doing wasn't coming in and hurting me and how to stop things. And this is something that we usually pick up over the years by living next to our parents and learning from them and coming and talking to them about what is happening to us, what we don't know, what we struggle with. And they teach us over time if they're good parents, obviously. (laughs) Mm. Um, But she was, for me, the problem. So I lost boundaries and I lost trust. How do you trust people when someone so close to you constantly hurts you? And how do you learn how to stand your own when someone hurts you all the time and you know it's not their fault, Mm. but they're hurting you anyway and you've got that compassion for them? But at the same time, where do you put that line, especially as a child where you don't necessarily know how to distinguish between, well, it's just with that person. Well, something gets damaged with trust in general as a child then. So everything was broken. And I suicidal thoughts started at the age of about, um, um, I think, 15. And then 
things just got worse and worse and worse for me because I, I didn't have anywhere to go emotionally with this and, and I didn't know what to do with it. And I spiraled down and down and down over 10 years till I hit rock bottom. And at rock bottom, there was only live or die left. Mm-hmm. It was like, I couldn't take it anymore. I couldn't live like this anymore. And I remember asking myself, I said, you know, in a street corner in the sun and I asked myself a genuine question. I said, do you want to live or die? Mm, wow. Because it's impossible to continue like this. Do you want to live or die? And I sat with this and I didn't have an answer. So I sat with this for about an hour and I just kept asking myself, like, like really aiming inside. And I said, do you want to live or die? Do you want to live or die? And then it was really interesting because after about an hour, I got this, this energy burst in my body. And I was like, inside, I was like, but I haven't done yet this and this and this and this and this and this and this. And And I felt like it wasn't my time. There were so many things that I was still passionate about that I didn't get to do in life. So how could I give up now? And, and I, I promised myself that day. And I said, then if that's the case, then I have to commit to doing whatever it takes, no matter how long it takes to resolve it. And that was the, the promise I gave myself. Anybody knows me knows that if I give my word, that's it. It's set in stone. It's engraved for life. So I started the journey of looking for answers. It, it took me about 10 years because no one knew how to, to fix me. I was so broken. And, and going back, I understand why, because everything was broken. Mm. There wasn't a roadmap. It was in a blueprint. And every time I fixed something, I thought, yay, I made it. And the whole tower of cards would fall inside. And it was just so discouraging because it's like you're in a situation where you don't know if it's ever going to end. And I remember crying to my friend all the time going, is it ever going to end? Is it ever going to work for me? And it was this kept going back every time I would fix something and it would break again. I would just cry back like, is it ever going to end? Am I ever going to make it? And it took 10 years. But eventually... I got it. I fixed all the broken parts that, that didn't work. And I think to date, that's my proudest moment that I saved me. That it, I remember that day when it clicked for me, when it was like I resolved something and I was like sitting and waiting for things to fall apart again. And they start falling apart. And I remember this big joy of going like, Oh my God, I actually made it. Like I actually found a way to fix what got broken. I got so emotional. And then right after was like, that's it. Like, that's it. Like life is just going to be okay now. Like, and it was just, wasn't good enough after this journey. And I was like, no, 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 no. I'm not stopping here. I'm going towards amazing. I'm not stopping till I get to amazing because there's got to be something that comes after this that would be so worth it so that I could feel that pain that it happened. And you can only do that when you go you know, towards the skies when you go for the biggest dream that you've got rather than stop it. Okay. So mm. I kept going. So I found the parasomatic intelligence. <laughs> so mm. amazing. <laughs> mm. And talk to me because obviously um, I listened to your Lewis Howes podcast uh, in preparation for interviewing here. And one of the things I really, really loved was the fact you talked about your time in Japan because um, it taught you a different way of living. So I'd love, love for you to share a little bit more about that to our audience because we're all about intuition here. We're all about getting aligned in body, mind and spirit and li- in turning inwards and listening to that inner voice. So talk to me about your Japanese journey. Yeah. Japan and afterwards the Tibetan monastery I used to go to a silent, uh, silent retreat. 
um, were very important parts about for finding my inner voice and following my inner voice, the calling, let's, let's call it. Because, I mean, I just told you what happened and there was so much expectation of me, expectation to take care of my mom, expectation to accept that she's sick and deal with that expectation of studying something and being successful. It's like, there are so many expectations, but something wasn't working inside me. And I was too young, even at, you know, like when I turned 20, I was too young to be able to verbalize what I was feeling, to explain, you know, to my family or to the world or even to myself what was going on and what I needed. And I felt so many pressures that were normal all around me. With all so many people do. So I think, sorry, just people listening as well. So many yeah, of us yeah. have that external pressure of what we should be doing and what society and yeah. you know says we should be doing. It's a universal problem. Exactly. It's exactly the point I wanted to hit is that it's not something that was unique to me. It's something that we feel a lot of the mm. time, the society's expectation of us, what we're supposed to do, what is expected of us. It's not because we're not loved not by the society or by the, our family and stuff like that. It's just a normal thing in society. But because of what I went through, I didn't feel like I needed to go there. I needed to go where I needed to go to do what I needed to do. I didn't understand yet what that meant. I just felt I needed to follow something. I needed to get answers. And, you know, looking back, we know what, what those answers were and why. But at that time, I couldn't verbalize it, which obviously created weird situations because it seemed like I was doing crazy things. I'm going to Japan a month later. I'm, I'm declaring to the whole world I'm going for life. A month later, I, I moved to Canada. Everybody's like, she's unstable. She's, you know, she's not, it doesn't make sense. She doesn't stick with anything. It wasn't what drove it inside. I just wasn't able to verbalize what was going on inside and why I made those decisions. They were very smart decisions at the time. And when I went to Japan, I went to live in this old traditional dojo where I studied Zen Buddhism and lived in, in the Dharma in, in the dojo with Zen nuns and other people. And what was so special about that dojo was that people were working and then doing all their duties. It wasn't a monastery away from life. It was learning how to do it in life, which was part of what I was looking for. And I was, you had to meditate at least once in the morning and once in the evening. And you had mindful cleaning and mindful cooking and all these things. And what I found that was so impactful for me from that time there that got me to get up and leave after a month was that I had a hard time understanding what was right for me and all the expectations. I was too afraid to hear inside me what was right for me because if I would hear it, I would have to act. I didn't understand it at the time, but that's fear. If we understand that we need to act. So in a sense, we don't want to know. We want to know and we don't want to know. And that kind of a thing keeps us blocked because we don't really sit into our somatic body, into the emotions and really get connected. So through doing meditation, in meditation, we had to sit eyes open and notice the outside and the inside at the same time. And we're doing breathing. And I would notice how much noise like things come and go and da, da, da. And no, usually in meditation, what you notice when you start is that you get this thought and then you grab onto it and you go with it and you create the drama and you dive and you juice it up. And so it's like you'd get a thought about what about would be my career and then you think about this and you think about that. But over time, when you start to do meditation on a regular basis, what happens is that these things pass you like a movie and you see those these frames and you don't get attached to them. You're mm. just watching them. And then that kind of calms you down from having to be inside the drama that we create. 
So that kind of started calming me down, watching things from the outside. And little by little, I could clear the fear of knowing and then understand what I needed. And I realized that I needed to go after, because I went to Japan to figure out whether I wanted to leave the materialistic world and live in a monastery or I wanted to do computer animation. That was my question at the time. Everybody thought I was insane. What kind of a question is that? And how does that connect? And and I realized, (laughs) yeah, quite different, but really inside what it was. And I realized that from doing the meditations and and living in a Buddhist way is that I was, uh, because of everything that went on, I wanted to do eject from life, but I never really owned this life to give it up. I never really dared live it fully to say, I don't want it. I just wanted it out because it was so hard and so many confusing things. And when I saw that, I realized that I couldn't really quit, that I would have the right later on to make that decision if I wanted to, but I first had to own it and stop being the victim that I was. And, you know, it doesn't matter whether I became a victim because I was born into it. As an adult, I can make that choice. I didn't have to continue being the the um, victim of what happened to me. That happened when I was a kid. I was a victim, not a victim because somebody wanted to hurt me, but because certain things happened. But as an adult, I could suddenly take that responsibility and say, I'm changing my life. I'm shifting that. And that um, Mm. Mm. yeah almost that create that space like you said it life is so busy and meditation is wonderful because it goes gives you that space to enable to you to listen to yourself and actually what feels ornate and authentic for you um so mm. absolutely so you made that choice you made the choice to go after or you said that you made the choice when you were in japan to go to make somatics your career choice And why did you think you needed to do the animation? What, what was the, because I believe that we're always being prepared for our highest calling. So nothing that we do is by mistake. So do you, do you see now why you needed to do the career in animation? Of course. I mean, there, there are a couple of reasons. One is that I lost my childhood. I got to relive some of it in a sense, right? I was living in a world of kids. I did lose my childhood when you have such, I remember that people, you know, kids, my age were thinking about, oh my God, the next genes or this or that. And I was going like the meaning of life. Why is there suffering in the world? It was too heavy at the time. It wasn't, it wasn't where it needed to be at that age. So I lost a big chunk of my childhood because of that. And I got to live it big and out and fully express all those kitty <laughs> emotions through animation. That's one. Second, it's really interesting because I thought about it over the years that 
living around somebody who's manic depressive and at the beginning before she got on medication, um, she would have manic attacks that were very scary because she would lose control. I learned to distinguish um, changes and shifts in energy and body to protect myself because I would need to know where I was in danger. And it sounds um, terrible for that time, but it's like now it turned, well, afterwards it turned into animation, being able to uh, create uh, facial expressions and body language and, and to say something with what you're saying verbally and something different with your body that's the somatics. And nowadays it serves me really well when I'm working with somatics because I'm able to identify a lot of things and feel them and notice them yeah. that, that when people courses, when they teach somatics, they say that's the hardest to learn or teach. Yes, that makes total sense, doesn't it? And I, that's really interesting because obviously the thing, the things that we go through in childhood, we chose, I believe we chose, chose our parents, you know, we chose the situations that we go through to enable us to become or have a special gifts or you know fulfill our highest purpose so interesting that you made that connection and you can see why obviously you needed to go through those earlier experiences but um so talk to me now about um what you're doing so I know you've got a few workshops coming up uh, how can people connect with you tell us a little bit more about what hen's future year holds well, the whole thing of creating the parasomatic intelligence was about creating a place for people to come and learn this knowledge so that they can learn how to embody this. And when I say embody, it's such an important word because a lot of the times we can be up here, right, in the head. And then I'll go like, yeah, I'm kind of feeling bad and I'm not feeling good and I'm feeling sad and I'm feeling, and I'm, I'm really not there. But when we embody something, then suddenly I go like, wow, I'm really sad today. You know, and we feel that sadness because we're sitting into it. Or yeah. joy. Yeah. It doesn't have to be something bad. Yeah, you were about to say something. Well, no, I was about to say, I think that's so important because I think so many of us are disconnected from our hearts as well. And actually, you know, once we start to get on this journey, we really do need to reconnect to our emotions like life. Even when we're doing the way I like to say it, doing our dharma, we're on the correct path. We're still going to have challenges and bumps in the road. And to be able to feel the emotions actually and, and healthily feel them and let them go is so important. Um, yeah. So we talked before about aligning the inner and the outer and really being in your optimal. So well, a lot of times we don't know how to do it on, on our own. You know, it's like all these elements that I talked about, we understand it. We say, wow, I feel that. I feel connected to it. Yes, I need it. Wow, I could use that. But we don't know how to do it on our own. So I created the retreat. There, there are five retreats. Right now I launched two. So there's the power of the subversor for women. This is a, a place for women to reclaim their femininity. And something happened to women in the Western world with all the running and being in the business world, which was for years dominated by men. A lot of women became too um, hard and not showing emotions, thinking, okay, if I show moving emotions, then, yeah, exactly. Moving into masculine energy, if I show emotions, I would be considered weak. But in reality, this is a new world now. And there are role models like Gal Gadot and Wonder Woman, and we realize that women can be super powerful and super feminine at the same time. And women feel tired of living from that place because it's not natural for them. And it's really about coming back home to our body as a woman mm. and to tap into, like, to tap into the Sabrasura is, is a joy that I can't even describe to you. This is actually when I got to Cuba and I, I was already cognitively okay. There was still a somatic trauma in the body that was held. These are two different things, what the body holds and what the, the head holds or the, the cognitive holds. And the sabrosura and working through the sabrosura healed those places for me. 
And he got me to a place that was so special and so soft and feminine that I've never experienced in my life. That one time I had uh, this, this classes they were teaching me one-on-one and we worked on it physically moving in a certain way and tapping into this like little thing and, and it was like wow what opened up was like this seductress like the Cleopatra and it was like wow I could feel that in my body I could be all that and suddenly you're like in a power place where you don't need to speak so much your being is so powerful and you're so feminine and yet you're so strong and able which is just amazing so so this is the power of the sober sword for women in Havana, Cuba. And coming to Cuba is an incredible journey. You've been there, so you know. Mm. Um, the power of enjoyment, on the other hand, is a program that has to do with kind of like the process that I talked to you about before. I mean, what I realized over time is that we can have the mindset of super positivity. And people say to me a lot of times, well, how do you, how are you so happy and full of vitality? And, you know, you've had so many challenges and you're getting challenges and you just, like, no big deal. You don't get depressed. And, and I go like, it's a mind shift because I think what I realized was that because I had to go down, 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 hit rock bottom. And then I had to climb up, 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 which was the hardest and most excruciating process of getting out of it. I realized that when something hits us in life, what gets us depressed is the fact that we don't want the, the reality that got created. We don't want it. And let's take an extreme situation. Let's say, let's say I lost a leg. And it doesn't need to be that extreme. It could be something different. that Not as, you know, losing a limb. But let's say I lost my leg. I wake up to this reality and go like, I don't want this life. I don't want it like that. I want my old life. As soon as I reject life, I start to fight with life. Mm. And then something will happen. Because I'm not going to be able to change the reality. So I'm going to go against life, against life, against life. And then when I'm not going to be able to change it, I'm going to start getting depressed. What you resist persists. Right. And you're going to get depressed, depressed, depressed till you either. And if you don't stop that, if you don't stop fighting with the reality, then suicidal thoughts start as a mechanism because you can't get yourself out of the situation. So you want to opt out emotion. So if somebody's got a situation, say for our audience listening at the moment, they've got a situation which they're, you know, some family members ill, for example, and they just you know, don't want that to be the case. Like, how do they shift that then? How do, because obviously, like you said, the more you resist, the more it persists acceptance. So I'll give you a good example. A year ago, I had a really bad injury in my strong arm, the right arm. And I lost control of my arm. Um, they they um, injected uh, steroids into my arm to help uh, heal it. And it went bad. And I had a tear and I had a discontinuation of my muscle. I lost, I lost control completely of my arm. And they didn't know if I would ever bring it back to full functioning again. And I'm a dancer and I work with my body. And they told me I had to stop at home for two months. I had to put my arm on a pillow and that I wasn't allowed to move my arm for two months uh, doing anything and that we will see in two months what would come out of that. Now, since that time, it's almost a year since. The last half a year, I've been in 15 hours a week of physio. And I'll tell you exactly what happened. I came out of that and I started crying. I was like, oh my God, I can't believe it. I can't believe this just happened. But then the next thing I did was I gave myself half an hour mm-hmm. and I pulled myself up. I said, okay, I will, I will accept. And I surrendered and I said, look, I will do the best that I can to resolve this. But if after doing the best that I can, there will be a disability, there's nothing that I can do about it anymore. It's what it is. So I would rather take the energy in my body and put it into healing my body than to feel depressed and sad, which doesn't give my body a chance. 
So I skipped the depression part by surrendering, by accepting. Because in reality, I can't change the reality anymore that got created. I can only do what I can do to try and improve it now. Mm. So acceptance. Which is so acceptance and surrender with love, right? Because I was like, okay, if I'm not thinking about it now, but I know that if for whatever reason, let's say I would have come out of this process and I wasn't able to bring my arm back, Mm. then I would go like, okay, how do I reinvent myself in a powerful, inspiring way out of this? What do I create that would be worth it? Which if you remember, this is what I did before, right? So how do I create this? This is an inspiring, amazing thing that would be worth like exploding to the world with. Because in reality, we can't really change the situation. It's already what it is. So the power of enjoyment is really about teaching people how to develop that super positivity mindset and how to live out of gratitude. When things happen to me that hurt me, I take a couple of days to digest because the hurt is there and I need to work through that. I don't reject what I feel. But then after a couple of days, I go back to gratitude. And then I, I wake up in the morning and I do my morning ritual and I kind of in gratitude, I go, I thank that hurtful situation for coming into my life. I accept it with love. It doesn't mean that because of that, I will let people hurt me. It's not the case. But I thank the situation because it came to teach me something. Yes. Interesting. You 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 embody or you, you use the concept of Dharma because with Dharma, what we talk about is how when you have challenges and bumps in the road, what tends to happen is you contract. So you go down into grief or you go down into depression, but actually to feel your feelings when you're down there, but then to let them go and then find a way of expanding your energy again to get you to rise up the emotional vibrational scale. So you said you use gratitude and obviously gratitude is perfect because gratitude is right at the top of the scale as you know, as well as exercise and joy and bliss. Yeah. And the other thing I put into there, so that you're absolutely right. The other thing I use is because I know how to move the body in a way that releases dopamine and endorphins. Yeah. Then I, the body. I, start to work, I start to work with the body through the tempo and the sabrosura to release the dopamine and endorphin to bring myself back up and to feel that self-love for myself and compassion. But it's a big part of it is also being able to just be with that emotion that's uncomfortable. A lot of people run it run when I'm coaching people sometimes what I do is I get them to feel and they're running to the head and I bring them back and it's like and you come back and you run and you come back and like be there well what am I supposed to do with what I'm feeling I'm uncomfortable so just to be with it yes you know suddenly just and when you do the wave passes yeah like the emotion you go through the wave and you feel down and sometimes like something happened to me like a couple of weeks ago and I was really down like something happened that hurt me and uh, the day after it happened, I lost the taste of life, that flavor of life, that that spark. And I, I sat with it and I was like, okay, but today feels like it. It's fine because I feel so sad about what happened, about the loss. Yeah. But then the next day, I was okay again. And we don't need to freak out about that loss for a second, just not to get attached to it and make it mean something. Then it just passes through the body comes out and I'm back where I started I'm fine Mm. yeah it's so true because I think we end up pushing it away not dealing with it not looking at it resisting it Um, and obviously when we do that we don't deal with it and we don't cope with it and effectively it comes back to bite us whereas actually of course yeah like you said the the whole thing about the retreats is really to um, 
create environments where people come and learn these things. And each one is a di- about a different subject and give amazing tools and experiences. But I'm also picking the locations based on the culture that embodies what I'm trying to teach. So the power of uh, the Sabrosura is in Havana because when people come to Havana, they feel the Sabrosura. Yes, when you come yes. to Marrakesh, for example, Morocco, Marrakesh is all about enjoyment and pleasure and taste and smells and things. So the, like the environment it helps people kind of learn and study. And we always have um, other instructors besides me in every retreat. And in the future, there, there are going to be three other retreats, the power of intention in Israel, the power of our mystery, probably in Brazil, and the power of elegance for men in Cuba, which would be like the female program, but for men. Wonderful. Oh, thank you so much, Hen, for sharing more about somatics with us and obviously sharing your journey and your life story. I know that people listening will be inspired just by hearing what you've come through because it's incredible to, um, I, you know, I can relate to your journey with the sort of your mum's issues and things that how you, as a child, you don't even know what's going on with it. So, you know, you're a really incredible example of somebody who has completely turned their life around and now... Well, I know you're living an amazing life and uh, I really am grateful for you coming on and sharing your journey with us. Um, so when I'm, I'm so happy that you invited me because I, I read through your story and I was so inspired by you and what you're doing. And I think it's incredible, right? Because you step into the light as well and you shifted it around and then you end up with a gift. And that's the gift you're supposed to give the world. And it's really not about us. Mm. It's really like we're there to give to inspire others it's, it's like being a channel right absolutely and I think you know I like to think that the pain that we went through we can utilize to help other people so you know your greatest pain is your greatest gift um, but we will have all of Hen's details in the show notes so we'll have more about um, her website and we'll help us see you have uh, connect a way you can connect with her and also the somatic the somatic somatic gift so we want to basically to come on, um, and receive the gift I created six amazing insights for how to embody your true essence and it's somaticgift.com fabulous and we'll definitely have that in the show notes but no thank you hen we will see you next week on kitty talks say goodbye bye-bye i really hope you enjoyed that conversation with hen lizra wonderful example of somebody living into their body and through their intuition to create an amazing life If you haven't already done so, please connect with me on kitty underscore talks on Instagram and please do message me and tell me who it is you would like me to interview next. This podcast was sponsored by my Do Your Dharma course. Create a life so good that you pinch yourself. This eight-week online course demystifies Dharma and shows you how to tune in to why you're really here. Go to www kittytalks.com forward slash do your dharma.